live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Sacktown, how are we living? I have not started this show that way in a long time, at least not for the right reasons. So I'm going to do it again. Sacktown, how we live in this morning. The answer better be great. The answer better be maybe not better than ever, but better than it's been in a long, long time. Living great, living large because, because your Sacramento, was that a cowbell? Alvie. Man, takes me back to a great time. Phil Jackson calling Sacktown a cow town. Them busting out those cowbells. Such good times. Sacktown. Wait for it. I'll tell you why things are good. I'll tell you why things are better than good. Sacktown, your kings, the Sacramento bleeping kings, are over 500. Yes, I said it. Over 500. Your Sacramento Kings, wait for this, have the best record in Northern California. True that. As I speak, the Kings have a better record than the Dubs. And maybe the single most incredible thing of all, the Kings, the Sacramento Kings, got a home game on national television last night. Seriously, just dropping bombs. For real, though. Last night was the first TNT home broadcast for Sacktown in four years. And holy crap, did Sacktown show up? Did Sacktown show up and show out? Sacktown fan, Sacktown player. Because the Kings came out and they absolutely dominated the East Coast Lakers in front of a national audience. Dominated to the point that they crossed the buck 50 line on the Nets last night. Final score, Sacktown Legends, 153. Brooklyn Scrubs, 121. Just in total curb stomping. A wire-to-wire bloodletting. And the craziest thing of all, that performance was not, was not a fluke. That was not a one-off. They're not just hot. This might be who they are. I mean, I know that's who Brooklyn is. But this might be who Sacramento is. Like I said, this team is now above 500. So they're officially on a heater. They have run off four in a row. Four dubs in a row. And we're not just talking about clown show competition here either. They ran off wins against the Cavs, the Lakers, the Dubs, and the Nets last night. Well, all right, technically 50% clown show competition, but still pretty good. The Warriors are the Warriors. Cavaliers are exciting, and so is the Kings offense. I mean, everything went down for them last night. Nobody would ever accuse Brooklyn of being a good defensive team, but I mean, everything went down for Sacktown last night. 60% from the floor, and they knocked in 23s. The Sacktown offense was on another level last night. But, to be fair, they've been very good, really effective all season long. Really good. As in, they're number two in scoring offense overall. As in, they're number two in field goal percentage. Like, for the entire season. 
<laughs> like for the entire association. That's what I'm saying. They're that good. So last night was more than just one great game. It was part of what's been a legitimately really, really good start for Sacramento. And eviscerating the Nets on national TV was a pretty good sign that that team is pretty serious. I mean, don't get it twisted. I'm not going to promise you anything. There's a reason why they've got the longest playoff drought in the four major sports. All right, not in the NBA, but in the four major sports. That's not good. And that's not just going to get busted up because of a good 13-game start. But that's not that tiny a sample. Sockdown, you do have a long way to go. And I do understand it's been 16 miserable years since y'all got a playoff series. And I understand there has not been a whole lot to been hype about of late. What I'm saying is, if you want to be hyped right now, if you want to call me right now and tell me you're hyped right now, I'm going to say that's fine. I'm not going to promise anything, but if you woke up feeling good, if you woke up feeling fired up, great. You should. Basically, Kings fan, I'm not talking out of both sides of my mouth. I'm just saying. I'm not guaranteeing anything, but that's got to feel pretty damn good. That's a good start. You got on national TV, and you embarrassed the hell out of somebody. And not just somebody, but the Nets. So, Kings fan, you should be hyped this morning. Just as Nets fan, you should be miserable this morning. I mean, holy crap, Nets fan. Are you down? Are you down bad right now? Nets fan, all 12 of you. I mean, it's got to be rough. It's got to be rough, and it's got to be really lonely to be a Nets fan right about now. I mean, I'm going to make the assumption because I've never actually met a Nets fan. I mean, how do you meet them if there's only 12 of them? I've never actually met a Nets fan other than James Kelly, and he really doesn't count. Well, for anything, except for having a ginormous head and for butchering the English language. Not only is your team, Nets fan, in competition with the Lakers to see who can sink to the bottom of the ocean faster, your best player obviously already made it known that he doesn't want to be there. Your second best player only does hoops part-time and no time at this moment. And we're all supposed to pat your third best player on the back because he scored all of 11 points last night. 11 points in a 32-point blowout loss. Yes, Ben Simmons played. Yes, Ben Simmons had his first double-digit figure scoring effort in over 500 days. That's a real thing. I just said that. He went double digits for the first time. Shut up, Kelly. Kelly's like, they're fine. They're fine. They're fine. You're not, dude. Ben Simmons. Yeah, you're about as fine as he is, Kelly. Ben Simmons had a double-digit scoring night for the first time in 500 days. And it only took the other team scoring 153 to get Ben over 10. Let me give you some other numbers that are more noteworthy. Simmons still has fewer points for the entire season than Joel Embiid scored on Sunday night. So there's that. But, but you know, golf claps. Golf claps for scoring 11, Ben. Good job, good effort. Good job. 
And evidently that honeymoon is already over for new Brooklyn head coach and future Brooklyn fall guy, Jock Vaughn. And you will never guess the excuse my guy JV ran out for that horrible performance from his team last night. Check this. I don't know if our, our, our minds, our bodies, and souls are still in L.A. Uh, L.A. will do that to you sometimes. Uh, and so uh, we, we definitely uh, gave maximum effort against the Clippers, and we've been reeling since. So uh, a, a great time to uh, get a good night's sleep uh, and, and be ready to go in Portland. My man, Jock. Dude, you, you're from L.A. Come on, man. You know better. It's L.A.'s fault. It's, why is it always Ghana? Why is it always L.A.? L.A. Why is it always Ghana? Why is it always L.A.? It's L.A.'s fault that you went out and got your asses handed to you on national TV in Sacramento because of L.A.? Why do you always blame L.A., all of you, for everything? Still in L.A. Make that make sense. Jock, man, you're from L.A., dude. You're better than that. I like Jock. I still do. I mean, I don't like the Nets. I've got no time for the Nets at all. They're an absolute mess. But I like JV. But, dude, you got to be kidding me about that. Like, when in doubt, blame L.A., right? If something goes wrong, blame L.A. Still in L.A. I don't, I don't even live in L.A. anymore. But even I'm not going to stand for that. When something bad happens... It's L.A.'s fault. Somehow, someway, everything is always L.A.'s fault. Even the East Coast Titanic is somehow L.A.'s fault. It was probably L.A.'s fault the original Titanic sank. Yeah, no, it's not L.A.'s fault. Their Brooklyn is a damn disgrace. Brooklyn is a damn disgrace because Brooklyn is a damn disgrace. It's Brooklyn's fault. It's the Nets' fault. It's Kyrie's fault. It's Katie's fault. It's Ben's fault. It's all your fault. It's not our fault. We're not taking the fall for that. Listen, I'm not saying the Lakers aren't a damn disgrace. They are. But that's LeGM's fault. And Streetclothes' fault. And Westbrook's fault. And Low Palenka's fault. And Irv's fault. And the Rambai's fault. And Jeannie's fault. And his fault. Hey, are you craving some protein after a good workout? I always am. Listen, this time don't make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender and made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach, anywhere at all. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Oh, Trapper, what's your beef? He blaming L.A. for the Nets getting their asses kicked by Sacramento. That's rich. Still in L.A. The most incredible part of all of this is how much better off Kings fan is this morning than Net fan or Laker fan. Man, that feels good. That feels really good. Not to defend L.A., but to defend and pick up and shout out to Sacramento. A take about Sacramento to leave the program. A positive Sacramento take to leave the program. 
and given the jungle's amazing history with that town and how little there has been to cheer about in that town in recent years, man, that feels good. Sacktown, that feels good. And for the rest of you, for the rest of you, and I know it's coming. You know how I know? I see it already, and I know anyway. Because, again, I know what a lot of you think before you think it. You need to do better than thumbing out your predictable bullcrap in response to me opening this national program by hyping Sacktown. You need to do better than, hey, Rome, what's next? We talking Baco minor league baseball tomorrow? Hey, Rome, maybe lead a Friday show about hot air ballooning in Temecula. Hey, Rome, there's got to be a meth lab next to a dog track in Riverside that you can start our number three with. Listen, again. Thanks, Alvi. Again, I'm not going to sit up here and guarantee anything about the Kings. I'm just talking about what I saw last night. I'm just talking about what I've seen so far this year. Nobody needs to tell me that Peja, Bobby Jackson, Chris Weber, Jay Will are not walking through that door. I know that. Neither is my guy Mike Bibby. Good thing, too. Because with those incredibly yoked arms, he would not fit through the main entrance anyway. I'm just saying, that beatdown that Sacramento laid on Brooklyn was cool as hell. And it was no one-off. And I wanted to make sure that on this hump day, we started off with some Sacktown love. Oh, and speaking of hump day love, Pervin Liar loves to hump. So happy hump day, P. Stop kicking your kicker when he's getting his stretch on. That's devastating. It is time to knock that new business idea out of the park with Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Forget the off-season work. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling warm-ups or wall hangers, it is time to start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you will customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build the relationships that create diehard fans. And and Shopify fields all the sales channels to grow a winning business from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one eco-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is on your team every step of the way. It's how every minute new sellers around the world score their first sale with Shopify, and you can too. When you're ready to take your winning idea to the world, team up with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Try out Shopify for free today and start selling anywhere. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash Rome, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-O-M-E, all lowercase, and start selling online today. Shopify.com slash Rome. Mike Norvell is my guest. Mike, it is good to have you back. How are you? 
No, doing well, Jim. Appreciate you having me on. Always good to have you on, Mike. Great to talk to you. So before we take a look ahead, maybe I can get you to take a moment to take one look back uh, at that win over Syracuse last week. I thought that was great. That was your last ACC game. So how important was it for your team to make a statement and to finish out conference play the way you did in a certain way? No, it was huge. It was huge for the program. Uh, you know, going back-to-back games on the road, you know, obviously the the win at Miami and then following it up with our last uh, ACC game at Syracuse, uh, you know, we wanted to to leave a statement and to leave our mark for this team on on how we finished up in conference. Uh, you know, put ourselves in, this, in second place in the Atlantic Division, and it's not, obviously not where we want to be, but, uh, you know, you see the progress, you see the steps, and just the way that our team is playing, you know, complementary football. All three phases are, are continuing to get better, and, you know, we really emphasize with our our, with our with our guys that as this season you know continues to play out we want to play our best ball in November and I think that's showing up we're talking to Florida State head coach Mike Norvell in fact you mentioned a couple of things there I was going to ask you about let me first ask you about the offense you lead the nation right now with 75 plays of at least 20 yards I think in part that's got to be a reflection of how impactful quarterback Jordan Travis has been he is one of 20 semifinalists for the Davey O'Brien award given to the nation's top program what has he brought to your program both on and off the field. You know, we talk about uh, this being an offense that's built for playmakers. And when you see Jordan, you know, he is, he is, uh, you know, the, the, the great image of that, you know, not only what he does with his arms, but what he does with his legs, how he prepares for games. Uh, we're able to put a lot on him. You know, you would just the, 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 the volume, whether it's in the run game or the protections or the things that we're asking him to do, uh, you know, in, in, in all aspects of our passing game. And I just, I love to see his growth and, you know, where he, you know, the way he's playing and where he's, you know, hoping this offense go to is really, special and, and we've got some dynamic weapons around them uh, you know I, th- I think that's uh, the great thing is just the balance that the offense has been able to have uh, we've had five straight games of rushing for over 200 yards and you know and then the big guys up front you know they're doing they're doing their part and uh, but Jordan is definitely a remarkable playmaker and you know leading this team uh, you know in, in a special way I see it Mike the guys up front are doing their part Trey Benson's had over 100 yards three games in a row he had 163 against Syracuse what about the flip side you mentioned all three phases are doing their job the defense has not allowed a TD in back-to-back weeks. What has been the biggest difference on that side of the ball? And then how pleased are you with that unit overall? No, I mean, I think our defense is playing at a very high level and you, you've seen just the, the continued growth and, you know, we dealt with some injuries there in the middle part of the season, you know, defensively and, you know, guys have had to, to grow up and, uh, you know, really, uh, you know, just get getting 11 guys playing as one and just the, the, you know, opportunities that we've had, you know, there's been some highs, there's been some lows, but you see just the, the confidence our guys play with uh, from taking the lessons from those earlier experiences and being able to apply them for 60 minutes. And, you know, I think coach Fuller and the defensive staff have done a, a wonderful job in in being able to to devise schemes and and uh, your know, plans that really fit our players and uh, you know, our guys are doing a wonderful job in their execution so a couple weeks back mike you have a rivalry game you win that game then you bounce back and you have a huge win over syracuse these are not easy things to do and you got a couple of games left and then a bowl game i'm looking at the schedule i want to ask you who is your most dangerous opponent still in front of you is it always the next one or maybe is your most dangerous opponent always yourselves no, uh, you you hit it hit the nail on the head. It's it's always us, and that's been our focus since the uh, the opening week of the season. Um, you know, for you know. 
for us to continue to grow, for us to go and be the best that we can possibly be. And uh, you just continue to get better. And that's what, uh, you know, our focus has been since week one, regardless of who we played, you know, the, the early, uh, you know, you know, matchup with LSU and uh, that was a great win for our program. But, you know, even with that, you, you want to see that, that progress and the steps that, that have to be taken, uh, you know, throughout the course of the season, you know, we stumbled and, and got knocked down, you know, there in the middle part of, of the year and, you know, our guys have responded in, a, in an incredible way. And so, you know, just, making sure that we're we're doing the things necessary to, to continue to improve obviously we're playing uh, ULL this weekend and you know it's great to be back at home and um you know we know that there, there's another big game there behind that one but it, it's still the focus has always got to be about us and uh, making sure we're doing the things necessary to play our best football have you ever experienced the flavor of actual live fire cooking we're not talking about a fire pit in the backyard this is about the big Green Egg, the ultimate cooking experience. I know you know about it because the second I got mine and I started talking about it, people were rushing up on me like they knew. They wanted to talk about it. It's because the egg is the most versatile grill you're ever going to own. I'm telling you, you can grill, roast, smoke, sear, and even bake. Yes, try a pizza on the egg. It will amaze you. It works. It's incredible. So stop wasting money on grills that you have to replace every few years. We've all been there. We've done that. It gets old. Forget the pellets and the knockoffs, too. Listen to me. Roll. With an authentic big green egg. It is a ceramic marvel. It's backed by a lifetime warranty. That's right. A lifetime warranty. It is simple to light. It is easy to use. It works without a power source. You don't have to plug anything in. So with the playoffs and the holidays approaching, you cannot beat a smoked turkey on an egg. How cool is that? And it makes a great gift. And they've got two models that are perfect for tailgating. The best part is you can have it delivered right to your house for free from a local dealer in your community. That's right. Shop online at BigGreenEgg.com. Have it delivered to your house for free. That's how I did it. It was an awesome experience. That's BigGreenEgg.com. And yes, you will thank me later. Talking to Mike Norvell, Florida State head football coach. So what about that? You're coming off that huge win. And then as you point out, you got Florida the following week and your big favorites this week against Louisiana. So the last thing you want to do is having anybody overlook the raging Cajuns and thinking about the Gators. That's a given. When you look at film of Louisiana, what has your attention? You know, they've got some explosive players. Uh, you know, you look at their defensive front, you know, guys that are very impactful, um, you know, can get to the quarterback. You know, they they mix what they do schematically. You know, they can really run on the back end. You know, got have some, you know, dy dynamic players there, uh, you know, in their secondary. Offensively, you know, they've got a couple of, of uh, you know, NFL caliber players, you know, out there on the perimeter and then, uh, you know, do a wonderful job in, in how they coach and what they ask their guys to do up front and with, uh, you know, some some you know, really good running backs that can make you pay if you don't, uh, if you don't get them stopped early so uh it's going to be a great challenge i mean our guys are our guys are excited for us just to, to be able to go out there and take another step and you know they did a good job of that you know going from miami to syracuse and now we've got to do the same thing uh you know, as we get back home here against ull you know mike you're in year three and seminole fans are obviously really excited about the direction and the growth of the program i'm really curious how you feel about this and what i mean by that is you have your targets you have your goals you yourself said we're doing well but we're not quite where we want to be yet that said, how satisfied are you where you are in your process and the way you've gone about building it so far? 
Well, you know, it's uh, it's been an, an, an incredible journey. And uh, you're there, with that journey, there's been highs, and there's been lows. Um, but, you know, every one of those experiences have been, have been important to us. It's been important to the program because you know, even in those moments of disappointment, you know, there were great lessons that were learned as we as we built the foundation, as we were able to establish that culture and mindset. And now we're starting to, to, to reap the benefits of that. And, uh, you know, like I said, we're not we're not where we want to be, but we're excited about the steps that we've that we've taken. And, uh, you know, we believe that the, the future is extremely bright here in Tallahassee and you know with us Florida State program uh you know just with the leaders that we have you know within the, within the uh, the team you know the youth that's here and and the the future opportunities that we're going to have for growth talking to Mike Norvell for a few more moments you know you always hear this in fact I say it myself but it's true right the standard is the standard the standard is the standard you always hear that but what exactly is the standard I guess Mike it really depends on the person and the program and the culture how would you define the standard that you have set for your program it's excellence. It's the best version of you. And that's, that is what we strive for. It's been, it's been our, uh, you know, constant message since the first day that I got here and it will be, you know, uh, you for every day here moving forward, because ultimately we are in control of that. There's a lot of things in this world we're not in control of, but we can, we're definitely uh, in control of what we're willing to invest, what we're willing to do, how we're willing to respond. And for us, that, that, that standard can never change. And regardless of the opponent, regardless of, of you know, all the things that might come your way, you know, you are in control of what you're willing to pour into and give for ultimately what you want and uh, you that's something that that I've really seen from our players the way they've embraced that and uh, you we focus on that standard you know day in and day out and you are continuing to push to be the best version of us you know Mike I want to ask you you touched on this at the start of the week but I know the entire ACC family and many around the country are still trying to process this week's horrific tragedy involving the University of Virginia football team you did share your condolences and thoughts earlier in the week what was your initial reaction when you heard this extremely tragic and sad news? And how do you process it? What kind of conversations did you have with your team about it? No, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's heartbreaking. And to, to, to think of, you know, what what that team is having to go through and to, for the young men that lost their lives, the families, all the loved ones, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, I text you know, Coach Elliott and uh, we went you know back and forth there uh, uh, last night and just, uh, you know, just praying for his for his leadership and you know, the, the guidance. And as all these young men, you know, the, the, uh, this horrible tragedy has occurred and, you know, there's not there's no there's no game plan for that. And, uh, you know, just to be there for each other. Uh, to know that uh, you know that they are loved, that they're cared about, and as 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 you continue to go through this life, you never take a day for granted. And you know, we talked about that as a as a football team uh, here yesterday, as as we were reflecting, uh, you know, just um, you know, making the most of all the relationships that you have, and making you know, making sure that you you never take a day for granted. But um, you know, life is life is such a uh, uh, you know, it's a special thing that where you can make an impact for others, and uh, just so so sad for what uh, you everybody at Virginia is having to go through, and um, you know, just the loss of of lives and in that horrible tragedy. So horrific. I appreciate your thoughts on that, Mike. Florida State head football coach Mike Norvell in his third season. Florida State number 20 right now. And again, 7-3, and 5-3 and three in ACC play. They've got another big one coming up Saturday. They are hosting the Raging Cajuns, Louisiana. Mike, I always appreciate having you on the show. Thanks for making time for us once again. Good luck this weekend. Well, thanks so much, Jim. And go Knowles. This message is sponsored by Discover. Did you know you could reduce the number of unwanted calls and emails 
with online privacy protection, the latest innovation from Discover. Discover will help you regularly remove your personal info, like your name and address, from 10 popular people search websites that could sell your data. And they will do it for free. Activate in the Discover app and see terms and learn more at discover.com slash online privacy protection. You know who's having the worst week? Even worse than Brooklyn? Scratch that. You know who's having the worst year? Old Thin Skin, a.k.a. the dude who started the greatest offseason coaching beef ever. You know, like, the season started off great for Jimbo Fisher. He had just pulled in the number one recruiting class in the country, the best recruiting class in the history of his program. So there was hype. There was excitement. He was allegedly finally going to start earning that 10-year, $95 million contract they dropped on him. I mean, you know this guy was feeling himself. You know he was feeling himself when he took that enormous run at the Nictator back in May. You remember when he called the red ass a raging, quote, narcissist. A narcissist. Who, quote, thinks he's God. Some people think they're God. Go dig into how God did his deal. And, quote, should have been slapped more. Somebody should have slapped him. As a child. I mean, you're not saying things like that about the goat unless you think that you're about to back it up. And Jimbo was far from the only one that was high on Jimbo's program because coming into the season, they were ranked sixth in the nation. So this was supposed to be it. A&M is ranked number six. Thin skin going in, going ham on the red ass. This was supposed to be it. Thin skin's Big college station breakthrough. In a word. That was not a very good call. Not a very good call at all. Because check your SEC standings right now, folks. Look all the way down at the bottom. The very bottom. To number 12 of 12. And who is sitting right there? Thin Skins Aggies. Man, I am dead serious. Texas A&M is in last place in the SEC. With all the hype, all the excitement, that buildup, all the junk he was running. Dead freaking last. DFL. They've got a worse record than Vanderbilt. They're 1-6 in the conference. There will be no bowl game. And this past Saturday... They took on a rival that had already sought off their head coach this season, and the Aggies still got worked by that rival. Thin Skin got worked by Cadillac. Cadillac, It's amazing. Look at Alvy getting BJ in there. Have you ever done that before? Have you ever done that before, Alvy? Yeah. Alvy, what is going on with you, dude? No, wait, well, well, you talking to me? Is there anybody else on the other side of the glass named Alvin? Just ask Alvy, have you ever done that before? What? 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 Played Cadillac. Yeah. What? What? Huh? No. It's a simple yes or no question, Alvy. What? 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 What I'm getting at is, it's still amazing that Cadillac Williams is the interim coach at Auburn. Even more amazing that the Cadillac 
beat Jimbo this weekend. Incredible. Thin Skin got paid virtually 25 times more than Cadillac to coach in that game. And the Cadillac still put a beating on his ass. Yeah, Alvin, I want to try something. The Cadillac just put a beating on his ass. Put a beating on his ass right now. Ass right now. I mean, come on. That's got to be one of the single most disastrous seasons any coach has ever had in the history of that game. In the history of college football, a coach who has a near $100 million contract, who just pulled the top recruiting class in the country, who was a preseason number six, spent the offseason running his mouth and going in on the goat like he was about to snatch Saban's crown right off his dome. That dude. That dude. That dude is in last place in the entire conference will not even be bowl eligible. And worse than all of that, completely back down from that beef with the red ass. And he let BK, BK roll into his division and win it in year one. So, there's win, 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 win. win, win. And then there's ass, ass, ass. That is the story of the thin skin season. The only thing he could do to make it any worse than it already is is to step to a microphone and act like none of it's happening. So, of course, he stepped to a microphone and acted like none of it is happening. There's those that uh, follow this program that are worried about whether or not it's in disarray and what's the long-term uh, outlook for this no, program. It's not in disarray. We've got very good players here. We've got good guys. We'll keep coaching, good young players. Recruiting, we're in good shape in recruiting and what we're doing. And there's, like I say, there's other ways in recruiting, like signing a full class. There's other ways with portals and different things. You you address things now. But uh, we're we're not in disarray in recruiting. We're not in disarray on our team. Our guys are playing their tails off, playing hard. Got to continue to help them play better. And got a great attitude and demeanor. I think it's, it looks very good. Easy, Mark Davis. This dude just came one inch short of calling this season fantastic. Did you just say, quote, it looks very good? It looks very good. Did you say it looks very good? It looks very good. You're freaking in last place. It looks very good. Dude, if by it looks very good, you mean it could not possibly look any worse, then I agree. It looks very good. Dude, quote, disarray is the nicest way anybody could describe what's happening to you and your program under your watch right now. In a way, you're absolutely right. It's not in disarray. You're right when you say it's not in disarray. Disarray is way is the way I would describe the state of Rogan Loam's bedroom Rogan at any Lone. given moment. Your program is not in disarray. It's a complete and unmitigated disaster. It's a catastrophe. It's a total debacle, a horrific failure from the top down. What the hell are you talking about? 
We're not in disarray. No, you're right. You're not, dude. We're not in disarray. It's so much worse. Disarray would be such a compliment at this point. Case in point, your suspension of your number two wide receiver, Moose Muhammad, for the Auburn game. Yes, Moose Muhammad's son. And yes, Jimbo suspended him for the Auburn game for wearing sleeves. Musin Moose Muhammad III at Moose Muhammad, quote, I want to clear the air. I was benched for wearing arm sleeves, something that my teammates and opponents wear frequently for protection. I apologize to my teammates and fans and looking forward to getting back on the field. Much love. End of quote. I mean, dude, how bad is that on how many different levels? The hell are you doing, Jimbo? And secondly, this is somehow a loss in the thin-skin v. red-ass feud, even though the red-ass has got nothing to do with this, other than the fact that the red-ass coached Moose's pops. And red-ass famously stood up for Moose's pops, which is how the red-ass managed to dunk on thin-skin this week without having to do a damn thing. You follow me? Y'all remember this classic Saban rant? Musin Muhammad, who played 15 years for the Carolina Panthers, played for me at Michigan State. Everybody in the school, every newspaper guy, everybody was killing a guy because he got in trouble and said there's no way he should be on our team. I didn't kick him off the team. I suspended him. I made him do stuff. He graduated from Michigan State. He played 15 years in the league. All right, he's a president of a company now. And he has seven children, and his oldest daughter goes to Princeton. So who was right? How you like me now? Tell me how my ass tastes. Anyway, one of his kids goes to A&M, too, where Jimbo benched him for wearing sleeves. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Thin skin just benched a guy for wearing sleeves, apparently. So he's catching L's from every single direction. It's just been one of those years. For Jimbo, one of those terrible years, one of the worst years that any college football coach has ever had. Honestly, the only consolation is that there's an $86 million buyout. (laughs) Any consolation. That's pretty awesome consolation for thin skin, but no consolation whatsoever for the guy who's got to scratch that check or for Aggie fan who is stuck with this loser running his mouth backing none of it up, acting like none of it's happening, and seemingly hell-bent on burning that house right to the ground. Have fun with that. You know, this guy sat down, fired open his email app. First email read, Dear Thinskin, tell me how my ass tastes. Signed, the entire planet. This guy's like, we're not in disarray. We're not in disarray. No, no, this is really good. This is great. Looks very good. Looks very good. You're looking up at everybody in the conference. You're in last place. What do you mean this is very good? Looks very good. (laughs) What's good about it? This is very good. We're not in disarray. Hey, this is not one of those things where you ignore outside noise. This is when you're utterly oblivious. Not only is this... LeBron saying that last year was not a failure cannot believe... What an asinine statement that is. I mean, it's not a failure at all. Yeah, it is. It was the worst year the Lakers have ever had. Just like this is one of the worst years A&M has ever... No, check that. It's one of the worst years anybody's ever had. And Jim was all up here saying, oh, this is very good. 
We're not in disarray in recruiting. The hell world do you live in, dude? We're not in disarray. Carlin Prescott, quote, of course the A&M program is not in disarray. Signed organizers of 99 Woodstock. I just love that that's a thing. That I watched that doc and thought it was amazing. And that I brought that up and now that's a thing. We, we are not in disarray. Sincerely, people bathing in feces. We're not in disarray. In We're not in disarray. Signed people paying $12 for bottles of contaminated water and having herpes on their face because they drank it. It looks very good. Shio Kapadia is my guest. Shio, it's great to have you on. How are you? Thanks for having me, Jim. Good to be here. It's great to have you here. All right, so let me ask you first about the Eagles because you were all over them. I would imagine probably unrealistic to think that they were going to run the table this season, but did you think it was going to be the commanders who would get them on a Monday night at the link, no less? No, that was a shocker to everyone. I mean, I think it's the second time all year a double-digit favorite has lost straight up. So it's one of those games. I mean, you play 17 games. You're going to have a game where you turn the ball over three times. Maybe some calls don't go your way. Maybe some guys don't play to the level they've been playing at all year. So I still think they're in good shape. I still think they're the favorites to get that top seed uh, in the NFC. But it'll be interesting. They, they got some teams that can run the football coming up. Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, the Packers. And so uh, there might be some more bumps the rest of the way, I think, for the Eagles. All right. So I think you hit on a number of key points right there. You talked about how they've got some guys coming up that can run the football because, after all, that has been one of the talking points the entire season. You know, how concerned should they be about that run defense? And what kind of adjustments do you think they can make? They, they should be concerned. I mean, they've been one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. Their first-round pick, Jordan Davis, from Georgia, he's out, so they don't have him uh, right now. And you saw what Washington did. I mean, they only averaged 3.1 yards per carry. They didn't have a bunch of big runs, but they were able to sustain drive. So I don't know if they're going to tweak a lot of stuff defensively, honestly. Their defensive coordinator believes prevent explosive plays at all costs. He's thinking if teams want to put together 9, 10, 11 play drives against us, we're going to live with that. It's not going to cost us on most weeks. Well, it cost them last week. So now it remains to be seen. But what we know about them, I would expect them to kind of play the way they play, prevent those explosive plays in the passing game, and hopefully you don't turn the football over and your offense can keep pace. Shio Kapadia is joining us. I want to sidebar really quickly. You mentioned in that first answer that it was only the second time this year that a team that was a double-digit favorite got beat straight up. It's a fascinating thing. Shio, I used to read you quite a bit when you wrote for The Athletic and we're talking about picking games. Are you still picking games? And just talk about the roller coaster ride that it is we have a betting podcast right now man it is so hard it is so hard week to week what's it like for you and are you still playing games like that uh no doubt yeah the ringer.com you can read my picks still uh every week i pick every game all season jim so i'm like a volume shooter you know i'm not like uh i'll give you my six packer your top three i'm saying give me the whole give me the whole schedule i'll pick every game and we'll see where we were. So I was doing pretty well. Last week was rough. My last week of the season. To what you mentioned, it, it's a wild season. You know, I usually like to come into the season, 
stick with sort of what I thought about in the preseason for the first four, six, seven weeks of the season, and then you just start adjusting. But, man, it, it has been a wild season with some of these favorites getting upset. When in doubt, I'm just taking the dogs. I'm taking the points. And so uh, that, that's not a, a tried-and-true formula. But, you know, that that's kind of how I justify it in my head every week. All right, so I like that. And I think overall you are doing very well. It's just tough. There are some weeks that – they're just, I mean, they're bloodbaths, but overall, you're doing really well. I thought that on your podcast, you posed a really interesting question. You asked, is Mike McDaniel the new Sean McVay? Really interesting question. Where do you come out on that? Is he? Yeah, that, that was my take, that he is the new Sean McVay. And, and you see what the Dolphins are doing. I mean, Tua Tungabailoa, to me, one of the most valuable assets from a head coach in the NFL right now. Can you maximize the talent of the quarterback? You're not always going to be gifted Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. Sometimes you got to kind of figure it out. And what he's doing with Tua, when you look at the structure of that offense, how they're freeing up Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, how they're making up for some of the deficiencies on the offensive line. I mean, every, if anyone watches, you know, Red Zone or whatever you're watching on Sunday, every time you turn to a Dolphins game, it's like they're on the other side of the field. They're in scoring position. They, they have just been so hard to stop. And so I think McDaniel deserves a ton of credit for what he's doing with that offense. And, of course, McVay has been a great coach. No doubt about it, but uh, you know, no one's talking about McVay or the Rams this year. They're kind of in the background, so I kind of feel like McDaniel's taking that mantle for one year at least. I think you're right. Shio Kapadia joining us. He's the host of the Spotify original podcast, The Ringers, Philly Special. All right, so one thought about the Rams. Speaking of the Rams, Cooper Cup goes down. He's going to go on IR. He needs surgery, so exactly where does that leave the Rams? What now for them? I mean, they're cooked. I don't know how you can look at it any other way. I can't imagine anybody thinks they're going to come back without Cooper Cup. I mean, they've legitimately had one of the worst offenses in the NFL. And I'll be honest, I was bullish on the Rams coming into the season because I thought with McVay, they're going to have a high floor. You know what? It might not be pretty. It might not be a top five offense, but they'll at least be mediocre. They'll be competent. They've just had too many injuries. I mean, you look at their stretch the previous five years, one of the key things with the Rams and why you can build the way they've built uh, with so much high-end talent and trade those draft picks is because they haven't suffered injuries. They've been one of the healthiest teams in the NFL, and so their depth never really got tested throughout McVay's career. But this year, the depth gets tested specifically uh, on the offensive line there, and the whole, you know, the whole thing is just torpedoed for them. So it's not like some of these other teams where you can say, all right, lose some games, don't worry about it, one bad year, you come back next year. They don't have their first-round pick. That pick is going to the Lions. I think it would be the eighth overall pick right now. And so the Rams, they just kind of have to play the season out, I think, and then regroup. And you know, I think there will be stories. Who wants to come back? Who wants to come back? McVay, Aaron Donald, are all these guys, Stafford, are all these guys saying, yeah, let's run it back in 2023? Or will there be kind of an interesting domino to fall there in the offseason? F them picks. F them picks. She'll talking about stories. We got a lot of content. We got a lot to talk about coming out of Indianapolis. I'm curious, where do you come out on Jeff Saturday and what happened last weekend versus the Raiders? For instance, how much influence or impact do you think he had actually in Indy's win over Vegas? Well, he got to pick his quarterback, and, I, and that's something I don't think Frank Wright got to do. I mean, if you looked at the coverage coming out of Indy when they moved to Sam Ellinger from Matt Ryan, now Ryan was dealing with some injuries, but that was an ownership-driven decision for the Indianapolis Colts. And so I think the Colts kind of surprised everyone and brought Ryan back 
last week. And so, of course, they're going to be more functional or more competent offense. Listen, Jeff Saturday seems like a great guy. I mean, I haven't heard anybody who knows him, who's been teammates with him, who's worked with him, say a bad thing about Jeff Saturday. He seems genuine. He seems authentic. He seems like he has some good leadership skills. It does help to go against the worst offense in the NFL in your first game, which is what the Las Vegas Raiders are. And so I think they got a little bump there. They got a little bump from Matt Ryan. We see teams when they make a coaching change in season, usually you get that one week bump. I think they're going to come back down to earth. I don't think what they're doing is sustainable. I think they're going to be a bad team uh, the rest of the way. And then Earth State's going to have to decide what he wants to do at the end of the season. Hey, before I let you go, what about the AFC East going back to Miami at Al? You know, if the playoffs were to start this week, you'd have four teams, four teams in that division making the postseason, which is pretty amazing. Who is the team to beat now in the AFC East? I've still got the Bills. I know people are panicking about the Bills after last week. Settle down on the Bills. Their biggest loss this season has been by three points. I think their three losses have been by, what, a combined five points or eight points. Listen, they make some bonehead plays. They don't always come through in these high-leverage situations at the end of games. There's no doubt about it. I'm sure Bills fans are frustrated. You know what? If I'm a Bills fan and I watch that game, I'm disappointed after the game. Then I go, wait a minute, Josh Allen looked pretty healthy. 24 hours ago, we weren't even sure if Josh Allen was going to play in the game, whether he was going to be out for three weeks. And so the way Allen looked in that game, they're going to have like top five offense the rest of the way. Their defense is going to be really good. They're going to get healthier. They have the pedigree. They're hungry after the way last season ended. So there's always some bumps with them. It's always a roller coaster with the Bills. And I'm not sleeping on that Dolphins team. Uh, Don't get me wrong, but I've still got the Bills. I've still got the Bills going all the way uh, to the Super Bowl. Interesting. I was going to say, okay, having said that, before I let you go, what about the Chiefs? Are you at all surprised that they're still as dominant as they are offensively, even without Tyreek Hill? You have to be a little surprised. I mean, what they're doing now, I I thought the Tyreek Hill trade made sense, but I thought it was going to take some time for them to figure out, all right, how's this new version, Chiefs 2.0, going to work this season? Didn't take any time at all. They got the best offense in the NFL through 10 weeks, and it's not really close. I mean, they're going up and down the field on opponents. And so anytime you have Mahomes and you have Reed, I mean, you could probably put, surround them with 10 league average starters on offense and still have a top five offense. So listen, it wouldn't surprise me if the Chiefs got to the Super Bowl, if the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. I still think the Bills and the Chiefs are one and two there uh, in the AFC. And it's just a credit to Mahomes and Reed. I mean, you really have a lot of flexibility on that roster when you have those two guys in place who can kind of lift everyone around them. Sure, I lied. One last question, because Andy Reid, you mentioned him. I love Andy Reid. Love the guy. Just absolutely love the guy as a coach. I know you talked about Sean Payton recently. Is there any doubt in your mind that he ends up in Dallas or might somebody else get him? You know, I think those those talks are going to pick up soon because I was thinking about the Saints, and the Saints are kind of a disaster right now. They don't have their first-round pick next year. They traded it to the Eagles, and I thought, well, you know, what's the Saints' way out of it? Well, their way out of it is to trade Sean Payton. And so I think those t- talks, those rumors are going to pick up a little bit. I think there are a few teams to watch. I mean, Dallas is certainly one. We'll see how their uh, season goes here. I still think they're a pretty good team and could make some noise in the playoffs. Arizona's on my radar a little bit. I mean, they just can't bring it back with Kingsbury, Kime, and Murray. It's a disaster. You can't bring it back. So if they shake it up there, does Sean Payton say, you know what, I can go work with Kyler Murray. I can go play some golf uh, on my off days out there in Arizona. And then the sleeper one that actually some listeners to our podcast have mentioned, I didn't mention it, if this Chargers season goes south, I mean, are they going to stick with the formula and stick with Brandon Staley? Because if you're a coach like Sean Payton, 
and you get an opportunity to coach somebody like Justin Herbert, you had your briefs for a while. Now you can have Justin Herbert for the next six, eight, ten years compete for Super Bowls. Uh, that's another team that's kind of on my radar, depending on how the, the rest of the season plays I out. I think these are all really interesting options, especially if you're Sean Payton. You mentioned the podcast. He is the host of the Spotify original podcast, The Ringers Philly Special. Shil Kapadia, my guest. She'll really appreciate that. We'll do it again soon. That was a lot of fun. Appreciate you very much. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Mike in the Bay. What's going on, Mike? How are you? Pimp. Mike. Pimp in the box. Man, it is good to hear your voice. Uh, Jimmy, if the setup of that setup of Madden Cleveland was for me, holy moly, uh, this is not going to flame like that. Uh, Jimmy, last time I called was two years ago. I got racked. Yes. Uh, and uh, since then, uh, I think I said... Um, I was unemployed last time I called, and that's why I had the time to make a phone call. Well, guess what, clowns? I did get a job. Yes, uh, maybe you've uh, all heard of the 100,000 tech workers uh, that have been laid off in the last couple of weeks, Jim. That was me. Uh, Jim, that's not why I called. Um, I want to take a run at all of the JTP. These losers who infest my timeline where they're whinging, they're moaning, they're bitching about the show, about the hosts, about the guests. Hey, bags, guess what? This is the Jim Rome show. This is the jungle. If you want to talk smack, call the show. Say your piece. Do it on the phone. Do it in front of everybody. Stop being bags on Twitter. Jimmy, we, we, we gloss people in this show. I'm going to re-gloss the JTP. You guys are now called the KBs. No, not the Kyle Brandt, the Keyboard Bags. Hey, Keyboard Bags, call the show. Jimmy, I'm not going to end there. Uh, I just want to talk about uh, Anthony Davis. Uh, Jim, did you hear about how he hurt his back last week? Talk on to the me. Bus, on the bus to and from Pechanga Casino? Are you kidding me? How do you, how do you hurt your back on the bus to and from Pechanga Casino? And this guy is more fragile than Mike and Indy, Jimmy. Mike, street clothes and Indy. Uh, like Mike and Indy, AD is one and done. Dude needs to get back on the horse. Stop with the excuses. Put the time in. Put the game in. Mike, where are you at? Jim, going to wrap up here. Uh, I just want to invite you, DJ, one of your two children, uh, that's a ATP, to an LAFC game next year. Jimmy, I have season tickets. Come out. Love to host you. Congrats to my boys. I'm out. Mike in the Bay. And he said, I got racked two years ago. That's funny, Mike. Because you got racked today, too. Nice job. Mike in the Bay. Taylor in Lex Vegas. Taylor, how are you? Rome, we missed you at the Braiders Cup in Caneland. I know, dude. I feel you. I missed it, too. Yeah, it was great. I missed it. I watched it, but I missed it, too. All right. Here's my take. Lef, what is your major malfunction? As a representative of the jungle, a three-time winner, you, sir, are a failure of the human race. You're not a failure. You're an abject failure. Clones, look that word up, please.
if this were the NCAA, if Rome were the NCAA left, he would serve you with like a five-year show calls for this. You ought to be sidelined for a bit. Um, but Rome, I got one more for you, sir. Last Sunday in New Orleans, in the morning, I wake up, I'm hungover, it's New Orleans, hop in the elevator to make my flight home to Lexington. I look up, and right in my face, it's Adam Silver. He really does look like an alien <laughs> posing as a human being. You just got to see it in your face, right there. And no clones, I didn't say anything to him. I just threw the little head nod. I didn't remark on those little NBA logo anklet socks he was wearing. I just let it be, and I moved on. Hey, Rome, thanks for the vine. I appreciate you. I appreciate you, my dude. Taylor, rock him. You see, clones, this is possible. You can do it. Good night now.